When we got there, Tina was very, very angry. She didn't want help. She felt she didn't need it, Joanne recalled. The psychiatrist Tina talked to said she needed long-term extensive treatment, that she was becoming a pathological liar and that she was losing her identity. In her initial statement to crisis center workers, Tina admitted to having a sexual relationship with Heather, explaining to Dr. Klaus Hartman that she had been introducing herself to younger girls as Billy Brandon, that she wanted to be a man. Tina also reported having 12 forgery charges pending against her, an exaggeration, and possibly a sexual assault charge on a minor. She denied being suicidal. In terms of recent history, Tina told the attending physician that she was finishing up two courses at Bryan Learning Center in order to complete her GED. She said she intended to move to Denver, where she planned to enroll in an art school. She confided that she had been raped in October 1990, but would not give details except to say that she received no subsequent treatment. She denied having any need for therapy, denied having any family problems, and mentioned that her father died at the age of 18 in a car accident, a result of drunken driving. Dr. Hartman viewed Tina as pleasant and cooperative. A slender girl of small stature, she seemed to have no unusual mannerisms. She did not appear to be depressed, nor did she appear to be functioning at the psychotic level. In his estimation, hers was a mild case of identity disorder. Her judgment seems somewhat impaired as it concerns her personal relationships. Dr. Hartman wrote in his initial report, She has some appreciation that her sexual needs are different from those of the majority of the population. After a few days of counseling at the crisis center, Tina finally sat down with Joanne and had the nerve to open up about her sexuality. When she told her mom that a therapist had suggested a sex change, Joanne thought Tina was joking. Joanne figured the talk of a sex change was bogus. Tina always talked big. She knew it had to involve a lot more than just a few days of counseling. Tina made it sound like this would be happening overnight, and Joanne just couldn't believe her ears. She said that she felt more like a man inside than a woman, and I didn't know what to say, Joanne said. You have to realize how devastated I was. I raised this child for 18 years and never had a clue there was anything different going on in her life. The only thing Joanne knew about sex changes was what she picked up from TV talk shows. Still, she tried to play the role of the authority, telling her daughter that a sex change operation would require a lot of psychological analysis. She said that, as far as she knew, most people who had a gender identity crisis usually knew it by puberty. She was concerned that Tina was confusing the issue. She sat there and talked to me like it was nothing. She was just giving me enough to think about to back off for a while, Joanne later reflected. But she was telling me, this is what I want, this is what I want done. I knew she was serious. You know it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a long time, Joanne cautioned. I know that, Mom. To mental health care workers, Tina would later deny that she ever told her mother about wanting a sex change. Tina spent seven days at the center hardly participating in group activities and just minimally responding to counseling. Her chief concern was that she be allowed to call Heather which she did as often as possible, even abusing phone privileges to the point of being reprimanded twice. She couldn't call Sarah anymore, 
Sarah's mother informed the crisis center that police would serve Tina a citation if she dialed the Gap Home number. By early February 1992, Tina was responding well to a book, The Courage to Heal. She told mental health workers that she identified with certain problems listed and began to keep a daily journal. For a while, she seemed somewhat cheered up, playing cards, watching TV, and going outside to play football in the afternoons. Still, she was displaying great difficulty feeling her emotions. As much as she was encouraged to get in touch with what she was feeling inside, she couldn't. Tina also had trouble accepting any positive feedback about herself. When workers would tell her she was a worthwhile person, Tina had no response to that. At one point, Tina was confronted and asked why young girls were calling the center asking for Billy Brandon. Tina would give no direct answer, 